Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Uh, exercise, false flag, whatever. Your thoughts at this point, because we've only got about three minutes left. Sure. Where do you want to go from here in discussing? You were just discussing the Mockingbird Press. I like that term that you use for them. But what do we need to know at this point? Where are you in your investigation? And I'd like to work with you on some of this information later on also. But where are we with the investigation? What do we know for sure? Adam Lanza lived and he died. His mother lived and she died. Other than that, what do we know? It's very hard because we've reached almost dead ends at every point. What we do know is police that showed up on the scene initially have even stated that when they showed up, they just felt like it was a drill. I mean, person after person, in my during my investigations in this whole thing, I've seen at least 10 people say that they felt it was a drill. What we're going to do with the com is we're actually going to go into Sandy Hook and do a real investigation. But I have to wait until we finish Shade the Motion Picture, and then we'll talk to you about that later, and we'll fill you in on it. But what I want people to know is Mayor Scott Jackson has been appointed by Governor Dan Malloy uh, to head up this investigative committee. So it's going to be another 9-11 commission all over again. And there are uh, very strange inconsistencies. They just updated the SSDI death index. You know, the Intel Hub broke that. Lanza, of course, That's right. died the day before. They're both dead out of New Hampshire, Nancy and um, Adam, as well as the press also reported a friend of Adam's is, and, and another, uh, two friends of Adam's are missing out of New Jersey. Now, th- this is strange, too. There needs to be some follow-up on this. We've got a lot of, of leads, and there's just too much to talk about on a show like this, but it's an open investigation. Nothing is, is concrete. You can go to the tab at the top of the intelhub.com, the special reports tab. It's green. Find the Sandy Hook uh, section, and you can see all the links there, what we've got so far. If anyone has any information, submit it to tips at the intelhub.com. And we're going to keep you posted. We're going to keep uh, doing articles on this and updating it. And actually, we're going to go in and, and make a, a documentary and release it on the Internet. I am thrilled. I am thrilled to hear that. I just want to say that we had a contact from one of our people to Power Hour in uh, in the Sandy Hook area that was involved in the school system. And they were forthcoming with information until about uh, a week afterwards. Then everything was shut down, and the idea was nobody's saying anything. Do you know yeah. of a gag order? 
No, but it seems that way. And, you know, there's nothing conclusive, but this whole thing is just doesn't seem right, Joyce. There's so many weird things. I mean, there was this lady that was supposedly supposedly let in the school to grieve afterward, and she described the whole scene in there. And I just don't even believe they would let someone into a crime scene, to be honest with you. I mean, this is a terror scene at this point. And, um, the, and they wouldn't even let the nurse. Remember, the nurse had to cover her eyes on the yeah. way out so she couldn't see the children. A nurse. A nurse who's kind yeah. of accustomed should be. Now, what uh, we do got, Joyce, real quick, we got one bloody kid running out of the, running out of the school was seen by a couple witnesses. Was it real blood? Was it not? I don't know. I can't say. Okay, then that's interesting that we know that. Thank you so much, Shepard. We look forward to having you back on again, getting more information on Sandy Hook. You have a blessed day. Intelhub.com. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for joining us today. And uh, Doug in the studio, thank you for joining us. Thank you again, Joyce. So absolutely. Much yep, absolutely. And thanks to Robert. Incredible oh, caller. We've incredible. already had wow. requests to have him on as a guest. So uh, you all have a blessed day. We'll see you tomorrow. Y'all bless you all. And we love you at the Power Hour. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow. KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. Are you an inventor, or do you know an inventor who would like to attempt to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to industry? For free information on how to proceed, phone toll-free, 1-800-315-2807. InventHelp, America's largest invention company, has inventor's information you can have for free. Record your invention's date of origination, plus get an informative brochure and other material of interest to new inventors from the company whose patent referrals have helped secure more than 7,000 patents. Learn how to get this free information by dialing 1-800-315-2807. Even if you only have an idea for improving an existing product and don't know where to go with it, you'll want this free inventor's information. It shows how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to industry. It's a free call, so dial 1-800-315-2807. That's 1-800-315-2807. Again, 1-800-315-2807. Welcome to today's edition of Culture Shocks. Today, a look at academic freedom. You know, the idea that teachers can teach. Uh, they're supposed to teach the subject matter, but they can teach with some nuance. They, they have the right to have views that are expressed that might be contrary to those of a majority, and they can still do it. I mean, that's what academic freedom is, isn't it? What have the courts said it is? What do professors and teachers who go into those courts sometimes claim it is? And where did this whole idea come from? It's not necessarily a God-given right if you're a teacher or a professor at a university of a right to just 
speak freely. It comes from somewhere. We're going to talk about all this with a longtime friend and former colleague at the American Civil Liberties Union, Marjorie Hines, out with a new book called Priests of Our Democracy, the Supreme Court, Academic Freedom, and the Anti-Communist Purge. Marjorie, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Barry. Well, the books primarily look at how the Supreme Court dealt with the purge of, of real or imagined communists in the late 40s and 50s. But bef- before we get into that, I just want to ask you a couple hypotheticals just to uh, give my listeners a sense of kind of what this phrase academic freedom sometimes means. Uh, real or imagined. Let's say there's a college biology professor who's discussing evolution in her freshman class of biology, and then she spends the last two days of the term explaining why evolution is a hoax and that there's something called intelligent design, which is a far superior alternative way of thinking. When her contract isn't renewed, she says, wait a minute, I think my academic freedom has been violated. She demands the renewal of that contract. Forget tenure and all those niceties. Is she going to win or lose on a claim like that? She's going to lose because uh, academic freedom obviously has its limits, and one of the limits is you have to become competent, a competent teacher and a competent scholar, Uh, so that, yes, there's certainly a range of views um, that you should be allowed to explore. But if you're not competent to teach your subject, um, you don't get your contract renewed. Um, and this would, I assume, be doubled if the professor was a professor, for example, of uh, history. And to just change the facts a little bit, the teacher of history says, oh, uh, by the way, the last lecture I, of the season, I want to talk about Charles Darwin. He is an historical figure. This is a history class. I want to tell you, not only was he wrong about evolution, but that's really not my, uh, that's not my core subject. He, his statements are such big lies, and they were adopted by both Hitler and Stalin, and that led to pogroms and to genocide, and I want to tell you why. So Charles Darwin, he's in my history class, but he's a terrible man. He led to Stalin and Hitler. Tougher case. Yeah. Tougher case because um, he's a history teacher, and his field is not biology. So even though he doesn't believe in evolution, he or she, he may well be uh, a competent history teacher. And the, the, you, you've uh, sounds like you must have taught a law school class because your hypotheticals get more and more uh, fuzzy. Occasionally, I do that. Uh, but you know what he is saying uh, in the class in terms of history is sort of close to the line between uh, competence and incompetence. And of course, one of the th- academic freedom. Um, comes originally out of the university community itself. Sure. And it comes interestingly, and the, my book sort of covers this in the first couple of chapters, out of battles that scholars uh, and professors were having with their, their boards of trustees uh, 100 years ago and more because the boards of trustees were dominated by corporate executives who mm-hmm. didn't like the fact that um, faculty members, especially in the social sciences, economists, were supporting the labor movement, among other things. Some of them were socialists. So clear political bias, and these people were getting fired. All right. Um, we are seeing some of the same corporate 
problems with corporate influence in universities today. Let me, before we get into that, let me just give you one more of those hypotheticals, a little off the okay, evolutionary scale. No, that's okay, uh, because uh, this is something that is, is based on something that's actually uh, happening right now. That a professor at a public university gives a, a, a lecture, uh, facts slightly changed here, on how the Newtown, Connecticut shootings did not really happen. It's an elaborate hoax with actors playing the parts of grieving parents, the kids are safe in some secluded area. It's all a big hoax. When he is fired the next day, he says, wait a minute, what about my academic freedom? I am challenging orthodoxy, and that's what professors, the priests of our democracy, ought to do. Um, let me get a couple of facts from the hypothetical. Is he doing this in a classroom? Yeah, or? let's start with a classroom. He's saying it in a classroom. Uh, again, I think that um, that pretty clearly falls on the incompetency uh, side of the um, really? freedom to teach divide. But, um, you know, if he were saying it outside the classroom and he was a teacher of math or uh, even if he was a teacher of current affairs, uh, there is a right to speak uh, what the um, the originators of academic freedom used to call extramural speech outside the walls of the university. All right. Uh, so, and there you have a much broader right uh, to say what you think. An example is, uh, I thought this one might have been one of the ones that would be in your hypotheticals, <laughs> Ward Churchill. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was it was pretty widely acknowledged that he had a right to say what he did, offensive as it was, about the stockbrokers who were uh, killed in the uh, attacks on the World Trade Center, right. the little Eichmann little remark. Uh, so the university looked and found some uh, research misconduct uh, in some of his previous scholarly work and claimed that was the reason they were firing him. And it was clearly pretextual, and the jury found it was pretextual, but he lost his case anyway because... Uh, even though the extramural speech was protected by academic freedom and by the First Amendment, uh, the politics of it were such that um, the courts were going to find a way to make him lose the case. Uh, and so he, he is no longer uh, teaching in Colorado, is that correct? That Well, he's not teaching at the University of Colorado, where he was a tenured exactly. professor. Exactly. Well, we're going to get in, into tenure in a second, but we will move to the real world here, because the idea that teachers should uh, have broad latitude to teach is, is not, as I said, earlier, not self-evident. I mean, you might have a system, I wouldn't think that either one of us would want to live in it, where governments decided what students would learn and professors were told, this is exactly what you teach and here's how you do it. So in this American tradition, this comes, academic freedom, out of the university context, but when? It doesn't start the first time they, you know, invented Harvard, there wasn't automatically the construct of academic freedom, was there? Actually, it came from Germany. Uh, if you look at um, the growth of American universities in the 19th, the late 19th century, sort of from um, private academies for young gentlemen to uh, something approaching what we think of as a community of scholars who are not only uh, teaching classes um, but investigating new ideas, doing research, push, pushing forward the boundaries of knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, that comes from, from Germany, and in the late 19th century, uh, American uh, scholars would go to Germany for their graduate education. Um, it was before that was really? really a concept here, and they came back, and one of the first places 
where some of the European uh, concepts of um, uh, the the university as a community of scholars uh, was instituted here was in was at Johns Hopkins. They created graduate programs, seminars, uh, the whole the whole process of developing what you might well say is a kind of elite, a professoriate. Uh, and, it, you know, this elitism certainly runs through uh, the history of academic freedom. Sure. And I think a lot of people would say, well, why should uh, teachers and professors have greater rights in terms of their employment, uh, what they do on the job, exactly. than uh, the rest of us? Well, and that's an excellent question, and we will get to that. We will go uh, take a little break, and when we come back with Marjorie Hines, the author of the fine new book, Priests of Our Democracy, uh, we're going to uh, get a little more history here. We're going to figure out who Scott Nearing was. He was a socialist. He was against uh, child labor laws. He talked about it, and the folks at the University of Pennsylvania uh, didn't think so much of it, so they canned him. We'll talk about the results of that and more when we come back for more on Culture Shocks. Now back to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic any time. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. 
Hi, I'm Dan Phil, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. My name is Stephen Hewer. After 22 years of nutritional counseling, I've observed that most brain malfunctions have at their roots some form of toxicity and brain damage. So whether it is poor memory, poor focus, lack of creative thinking, or more serious matters like inability to focus, speak normally, or remember things, the emphasis to getting one's brain working optimally needs to be on detoxification. One World Way supports your body's number one means of detoxification, which is glutathione production. My name is Angie, and my son has suffered from borderline autism and constipation. I got him on One World Way, and in two months, his constipation is gone. He has become friendlier. He can carry on a normal conversation with me, and he has made his first friend. He's doing great, and he looks forward to taking One World Way every day. You could offer him a present or a cake, and he would prefer the One World Way. Go to OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. Or call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. All right, we are back. We're talking about academic freedom. Lots of people say, I have got a right. Well, you don't have a right, for example, if you're a Spanish professor, to teach your class entirely in French just because you feel like it. That's not what academic freedom is. But it has a history internationally and finally in the United States. But we didn't start so well uh, in this country, understanding what it was all about. My guest is Marjorie Hines, uh, author of the new book, Priests of Our Democracy, a phrase used to uh, relate to uh, professors in the academic environment here in the United States. So in 1914, Scott Nearing, he's a socialist, he gets dumped from the University of Pennsylvania faculty. He's outspoken on a lot of issues, economic, social justice issues. He gets canned, and then the American Association of University Professors gets pretty up in arms about it, and they issue a declaration about the same time. Uh, a lot of people issue declarations. What's important about that one? Okay, well, actually, the, a, this had been an issue for a while, and before Scott Leering, there was a uh, quite a notorious case uh, involving a professor named uh, Edward Ross at Stanford, and Stanford had a, um, a one-person board of a tre- trustees, essentially, Leland Stanford's, Stanford's widow, and she insisted he be fired for essentially political activism. Mm-hmm. So professors around the country were getting more and more concerned uh, about these corporate um, uh, firings. And uh, Nearing, like Ross before him, was a very skilled publicist. Mm-hmm. And a lot of press releases went out. There was a lot of press coverage and a lot of controversy. And so finally, a group of professors from around the country got together and started this organization, the American Association of University Professors, and issued this 1915 Declaration of Principles of Academic Freedom and Tenure. And they basically identified three, um, freedom to teach, freedom to um, do your research, uh, scholarship, 
and what I mentioned before, extramural speech, um, freedom to speak about social issues like Scott Neering was doing. Sure. Uh, he and a bunch of others at the university were lobbying against child labor, trying to get laws protecting children from uh, working in factories. Um, extramural speech and those three prongs of academic freedom continue to be sort of the classic definition. And as I mentioned before, each one has its limits. Uh, if you are incompetent or even if in outside the university walls, you, you, you conduct yourself in a manner that is, uh, that is demonstrably, uh, that, that demonstrates your unfitness to teach. Did, did this declaration, uh, crafted as it was, these three points, did it actually help uh, either the Stanford professor or uh, Mr. Nearing at the University of Pennsylvania? Did it help or did, did, was it irrelevant to any legal considerations? Um, you know, the the First Amendment was, uh, in terms of court in, uh, yep. interpretation, was in a very uh, infant state at that point. Court, uh, Supreme Court really hadn't said anything about the First Amendment. Um, so, no, there was no uh, legal recourse uh, for these professors. They went on, Nearing went on to a checkered and interesting career, and he taught in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, but gradually, these principles did get accepted, and... You know, tying it all together is is this notion of um, the university is a place where the essential decisions about education are made by the scholars. Uh, And again, you could view this, and many do, as a kind of elitist. We are the ones who got our PhDs. We went through the system. Um, We know. We know. We are the experts in the field. We are the ones who, therefore, should design the curriculum, decide who gets admitted to study. And so there was no uh, distinction made between uh, the university as as an entity and the rights of individual scholars to go on with their teaching and scholarship and, and sound off about political issues off campus. Uh, as things developed, um, the, the, and as university administrations and bureaucracies developed, then you start to have conflict between the autonomy of the institution and That's the individual right. scholars who may be at and odds of, with the institution. And, of course, one of the flashpoints comes in the 50s when uh, people are scared of the Reds. I, for example, I was not particularly scared of them. I was at that time, as I recall, scared about the bully uh, on the corner uh, that was a couple of years older than I was, and I had to pass him every day on school. But a lot of people were not worried about him. They were worried about the Reds. And, in fact, uh, in academia, uh, one might think everybody would say, well, of course, the, the freedom of scholarship and teaching and extramural speech, of course, it covered you even if you were a red, but I guess even within the academic world, that was not always the case. No, in fact, um, when we get to the McCarthy era uh, and the red, the prolonged red scare of the late 1940s and 1950s, um, you, you hear the argument that anybody who is a communist um, by definition, cannot be a good teacher because they have given up their intellectual independence to Moscow. Mm. Um, it wasn't the case, and, it, and 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 therefore they would indoctrinate all their students in Stalinist ideology. Yeah. The interesting irony of that was that the academic freedom of teachers, and we're not only talking about college level, we're talking about high school level, and a lot of the book. Um, talks about the teachers in New York City who were under attack, um, and in one case, 
it was the administration, it was the Board of Education that was trying to indoctrinate the students. In other words, stop the teacher from giving a balanced view exactly. of Cold War issues and instead give a pro-America only kind of viewpoint. So indoctrination accusations go both ways. But yeah, the point indeed. is... Um, the argument was communist teachers uh, could not be, right. in fact, they did not have academic freedom. They could not be um, uh, competent teachers. And if you had been a communist 20 or 30 years ago, uh, you had to uh, repent, uh, yeah. show remorse for your past errors and name the names of others who had been you know, in a, in a communist party club sure. with you or gone to a meeting. Uh, so there were um, serious penalties for anybody who'd ever uh, flirted with left wing. Oh, yeah, and you had to take loyalty oaths, and that was part of the issue in New York when publicly uh, employed teachers at every level uh, had to give these, uh, undergo loyalty investigations. Leads to the Supreme Court in 1952, and the result there, not so hot for academic freedom, right? Not so hot. Um, academic freedom as a matter of First Amendment actually did emerge out of these. Um, McCarthy-era um, anti-communist investigations and loyalty programs. But at the outset, 1952 is still pretty early. Uh, you've got Fred Vinson as the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Uh, you do have William O. Douglas and Hugo Black, who were both appointed to the court by FDR in the right. 30s and throughout the Cold War period were consistent dissenters from these decisions that upheld virtually every loyalty program and investigation uh, that the Congress or the states or local board of educations could come up with. But the majority was not there, and they, the decisions from this period, and I also I looked at um, Supreme Court archives, you look mm -hmm. at the memos back and forth uh, among the justices, very politicized, very ideologically sensitive to what's going on of course. in the country, and they're not, they're just... Um, yep, they're, they're, they're nervous, and they kind of say so, and uh, there's a lot of unique and original scholarship in priests of our democracy. I'm going to guess Marjorie Hines. When we come back, we're going to find out how bad it really got, you know, like when we were talking to Taylor Branch about the civil rights movement a couple of weeks ago, I mean, it's hard for some people today to, re to even contemplate how serious problems were back in the 40s and 50s. We'll be back right here on Culture Shocks. You're listening to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. Our nation's founders believed that all Americans have the right to worship according to their own beliefs or not to worship at all. So strong was their commitment to religious freedom that they enshrined it in the first sentence of the Bill of Rights. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. We call this constitutional guarantee the first freedom. Religion is deeply personal, and Americans must be free to practice without coercion. There must be a separation of church and state. We are on the verge of losing this fundamental freedom. You may wonder, what can I do? The answer is simple. Do what our founders did. Sign your name to a very important document, the First Freedom First Petition. Go to www.firstfreedomfirst.org and sign it today. By standing together, we can send a powerful message to our elected officials. Time.
time and time again. You need to come here and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Will the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me? Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Radio advertising on GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is simple, affordable, and reaches millions. How do we do it? Let's break it down. First, the simple part. You tell us about your business. <laughs> then our expert radio copywriters write your copy. We hire professional voice talent. Hello there. I'm a professional announcer. And then produce your ad with just the right music and feel. <laughs> Voila! Simple. How affordable? 60-second ads on GCN are the most affordable national radio advertising rates, period. And that brings us to reach. Millions of people listen to GCN radio programs on over 700 AM and FM and XM stations and streaming audio live. That's it. A one-stop shop. Creative radio ads. Very affordable rates. Millions of potential customers and customer service that can't be beat. See our current list of satisfied advertisers at GCN. GCNlive.com. Then shoot us an email. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. We are back. Today's topic is academic freedom, uh, real and imagined. Sometimes people go in and make claims that are based, they say, on academic freedom. But academic freedom uh, doesn't just mean you can do anything, say anything in your classrooms. Among other things, you have to be competent. Uh, you don't get to say things that are uh, particularly idiotic or outside the completely outside of the mainstream of all reasonable thought. But we may are making and have made a lot of progress uh, since the 19. 1950s when just being accused of having 
Well, communist ties being instructed by Russia about what you ought to be saying in your classroom could lead to very serious problems. Priests of Our Democracy is a new book about this topic by Marjorie Hines, who is our guest today. So, Marjorie, uh, give us uh, some examples. Back in the 50s, you know, after this 1952 case uh, about a law in New York that allowed these so-called loyalty investigations to go forward, even though there was a dissent by two of the justices, I mean, the, the majority was pretty clear you can do those things you can ask these questions particularly if you're worried about the reds infiltrating your college so how bad did this get how many lives were ruined give me a story or two well you know one of the um uh, enjoyable things actually about researching this book which started out as mostly a legal history ended up being a human and social history um and in terms of numbers, it's really impossible to say how many lives were ruined sure. because, okay, in New York City, around the country, um, several hundred uh, professors were fired from universities, mostly for refusing to cooperate with either House on American Activities Committee or other legislative committees, state or federal, or um, refusing to sign elaborate confessions or name names of others. Uh, but you can multiply that. It's like um, one uh, historian of the period that I quote makes the uh, analogy to an iceberg. Uh, most of it is under the water and you don't sure, see it. Sure. Maybe 10% is above. So the number of people who um, weren't officially fired but didn't get their contracts renewed, or in New York City, the number of teachers who resigned rather than uh, go through this interrogation process that the Board of Education had set up uh, where people would be called in and uh, interrogated about what petitions they'd signed, what music they listened to, why you have Paul Robeson records in your house, uh, and the list of invasive questions just went on and on. So um, in New York City, uh, several hundred were fired, but far more resigned sure. or, or probationary and so forth, some yeah. early retirement. Yeah, and that's just, in, in, and of course, as you get to parts of the country where there is not even uh, an enlightened minority, as it presumably was even at that time in New York, uh, things could even be worse, and they don't necessarily have the ability to, to chronicle that or enumerate every one. As all this is going on, academic freedom as an intellectual idea is also being tied to something very practical called tenure, which is basically, um, refine this please, but I mean you work, you do a good job for X number of years, and then there's a committee or your department chair in consultation with the dean or somebody, basically gives you a lifetime appointment. You have tenure, and uh, how important was that, and when did this start to become commonplace in American colleges and universities? Well, the AAUP, American Association of University Professors, actually that 1915 statement we were talking about was principles of academic freedom and tenure. Yep. And they thought a tenure was crucial to academic freedom because without that job security, um, professors and teachers would always be nervous about what they could say and they would self-censor. Um, that may not have been completely true as an empirical fact hmm. and I think now the AAUP is recognizing that um, academic freedom has to be defended and um, 
has to exist and continue to exist as a concept, even in a uh, environment now where the vast majority of people who are teaching are undergrads, uh, do not have tenure and are not even on a tenure track. Right. Uh, we're, we're now uh, in a world where adjuncts and other contingent faculty make up the majority of teachers and university administrations perhaps like it that way, um, but faculty are really struggling to have um, to, main, to, to uh, retain any of the role that they've traditionally had in what they call governance. Yeah, uh, decisions the, about curriculum. True. Uh, decisions about it. There's a flip side, though. There are serious people who say, you know, this tenure thing was very important in the 50s. Now uh, it's not as important. And their argument in part is there really are, the, you know, the people that uh, the Fox News Channel finds one and, and, and acts like every professor is this way, a kind of doddering old fool uh, who barely can uh, make it to the classroom but is nevertheless has tenure and refuses to resign uh, and is protected uh, fully because of this thing called tenure. Uh, yeah, I, I would not be as um, uh, a fanatical supporter of, of tenure as a principal, and I know this is one of the absolutely foundational principles of the AUP, and I understand the arguments for it. Sure. Um, but I think as a practical matter, we have to look at a world where tenure is shrinking, and it might even cease to exist. Uh, maybe it will come back. I mean, it's not that different from job security uh, in other fields. Um, union contracts, yep. and all that is under attack. You raised a question earlier in the program about this idea of isn't it a kind of elitist concept? I mean, we think of who has lifetime, more or less lifetime appointments. I mean, judges in enlightened states do, and in the federal system they do, to try, to, in theory at least, to protect them from political influences. But most of us uh, don't. Is it fair to say that tenure, as it developed within that often closed community of the academic world had become or maybe still is an elitist protection act? Well, it can be, it can be uh, viewed that way. Um, my point was that academic freedom is often viewed that way, and yeah. I really see academic freedom as separate from tenure. Uh, but it's not, in fact. I mean, just as with judges, um, the, the, the Constitution gives uh, federal judges life tenure, as you say, in order to make them intellectually independent and not beholden to politicians. Um, so the whole point of academic freedom is um, it, 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 enables, it, it enables teachers to do their job. I mean, priests of our democracy is a quote from actually Justice Felix Frankfurter, who was not uh, a liberal on the court. No. Um, at uh, in the 50s, he usually went along with these loyalty upholding these loyalty programs. But he did. Uh, there was one case the same year as that law in New York State. That loyalty law in New York State got upheld. A case where the court did actually strike down a loyalty oath. It was too broad. It was overbroad. And Frankfurter mm -hmm. wrote a concurrence, and he talks about teachers as the priests of our democracy, because it is their job to. Um, foster those habits of open-mindedness and critical inquiry, which alone make for responsible citizens. That's the job of teachers in uh, our concept of education. It is not uh, a concept in which rote learning and simply regurgitating 
um, the conventional wisdom that somebody has dictated to you is considered an education. And as long as we um, adhere to this concept of education as a process of learning, um, open-mindedness and critical inquiry, which are essential to democracy, that's why he uses this rather sure. <laughs> exalted metaphor <laughs> of priest. Exactly. Um, so that's, it's not about elitism. It's viewed that way. But it's about you know, teachers doing the job for society that they're supposed to be doing. Exactly. And as you point out, Frankfurter himself, not exactly a bold liberal on the First Amendment in this regard, but who saw that there were times when you could cover so much. You, you could write an oath. You could write a statute that would lead to an oath that would be so broad that it would catch all kinds of people. And, and he did recognize that. And thus, in that uh, opinion, uses the phrase priests of our democracy. We're talking to Marjorie Hines. She's the author of the book, Priests of Our Democracy, the Supreme Court, Academic Freedom, and the Anti-Communist Purge. When we come back, we'll find out, since the Reds don't worry too many people anymore, but terrorists do. Are there lots of problems with academics who appear to be giving aid or comfort, intellectually at least, to people who are deemed terrorists. Is that a big problem? And what about these private parties who make lists of teachers, professors, who they consider unloyal? Is that protected speech? We'll be back with all that right here on Culture Shocks. I'm Barry Lynn. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. In this unpredictable world, disaster can strike anyone. That's why an essential part of any emergency survival plan must be stove in a can. When power goes out and gas lines are down, the portable, safe, easy-to-use stove in a can cooks food up to four hours and boils water in as little as five minutes. Stove in a can comes with everything you need. The stove, fuel, even waterproof matches, all in a compact, durable, heavy-duty container. Plus, the all-natural non-explosive 100% waterproof fuel source can be stored indefinitely. Say goodbye to the hassle and danger of propane, lighter fluid, or gas. Stock up now and protect your family with Stove in a Can, starting out at $29.99. Special bundle offers now available with a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Order yours today at StoveInACan.com. That's StoveInACan.com. 
Valentine's Day is next week, and ProFlowers is offering an amazing deal. 100 stunning blooms of love plus a free glass vase for just $19.99. Go to ProFlowers.com, click on the radio microphone in the upper right corner, and enter the secret code RADIO13. But hurry, this incredible deal expires this Friday. Flower prices will skyrocket during Valentine's Week. Order now from ProFlowers to get huge savings, plus pick any delivery date and it's guaranteed. 100 colorful blooms of love sent fresh from the fields. Guaranteed to stay fresh and beautiful for at least seven full days for only $19.99. Remember, flower prices can double, even triple next week. And this incredible deal expires this Friday. The only way to get this amazing deal is to visit ProFlowers.com. Click on the radio microphone in the upper right corner and enter the secret code RADIO13. That's ProFlowers.com. Secret code RADIO13. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. We are back right here on Culture Shocks. I'm Barry Lynn. We're talking to Marjorie Hines, author of Priests of Our Democracy, and the topic is academic freedom. Uh, Marjorie Hines writes, Today's war on terrorism has replaced Cold War anti-communism as a justification for limiting civil liberties on campus and off. Um, are there a lot of professors who are being accused, Marjorie, of uh, being uh, in cahoots, uh, literally or at least uh, sympathetically, with terrorists, uh, the, the enemies of America? Is that a serious issue on American campuses today? Uh, it's a serious issue, uh, but we shouldn't... Um we shouldn't exaggerate uh, the effects of the kinds of um, political repression that are going on today with anything like what went on during the McCarthy era. I right. mean, McCarthy era is even a misnomer because the Red Scare started long before Joe McCarthy mm. came on the scene. But we all sort of – it's shorthand for a period in which there were such extensive um, political tests and such massive uh, investigations. Did we learn something in the interim? In other words, is it not so bad now because we've actually, in this one area at least, taken a deep breath and moved forward as civil libertarians? Uh, interestingly, um, the, the courts eventually, in response to the excesses of the McCarthy era, um, established uh, a whole series of um, First Amendment doctrines that have um, worked, that have inspired. I mean, the, the court doesn't um, uh, 
the court uh, often uh, functions as an educator. Mm-hmm. And so um, we have these decisions because eventually Black and Douglas uh, did, uh, and Abe did become part of a majority, uh, a tenuous majority on the Earl Warren Court. Um, and they were able to uh, establish a number of important First Amendment principles. In other words, uh, understanding of the First Amendment um, advanced considerably since the 1950s, and that uh, kind of inspiration and the setting forth of those principles um, did uh, filter down into our general consciousness. So um, partly just as a political reaction to, to the excesses of the 50s, we then had the free speech movement sure. in the 60s, uh, so the Supreme Court also contributed um, to a situation in which uh, it would be much more difficult now, although not impossible, to have the kinds of loyalty investigations. Um, but you sure. can see it all the time. Uh, today, uh, just in the paper uh, this week, the state of Arizona wants, um, there's a proposal to require every student in order to graduate from high school to uh, adhere to a loyalty oath. Of to the graduate from high school. Yeah, that is the kind that many states still require for public employees, including teachers. Uh, but those public employees themselves, this is kind of off the topic, but, I mean, it, they do have a certain uh, real uh, free speech right themselves, even to, see, uh, to say things that are extremely controversial about their bosses or, at least in one famous Supreme Court case, the President of the United States. Uh, well, the Supreme Court has been doing a job on the, right, on the free speech rights of public employees uh, since the... Um, the high water mark of the late 60s. Right. Uh, so their rights uh, are inc- have increasingly been shrunk, especially anything they say on the job. Sure, sure. And one of the things I talk about toward the end of the book is uh, the book sort of has an arc to it, yes. and um, the legal history part of it culminates in 1967 with this case called Kayashian versus Board of Regents, mm-hmm. um, in which the Supreme Court reversed that 52 decision you'd mentioned yep. earlier and, and struck down this massive loyalty program that the New York State that New York State had enacted for um, public employees including teachers very similar to what other states had um, and that was sort of before the Supreme Court started talk looking at the First Amendment rights of public employees um, and as I say the high water mark was in the 60s and then there's been shrinkage ever since until in 2006 there's a Supreme Court decision in which it had nothing to do with teachers but um, an assistant district attorney um, goes public with complaints about perjury mm-hmm. on search warrant affidavits, and um, he's either fired or disciplined, and um, brings a First Amendment challenge, uh, clearly a statement of public interest and importance. Supreme Court says he was speaking as part of his job. You know, what, what, exactly. what employees say on the job, yeah. they can be punished for. They have no First Amendment protection. And Souter, David Souter, writes a dissent. He says, wait a minute. What about professors? You know, what about <laughs> academic freedom? What about this yeah. Cayetian case from 1967? Yeah. And so the Supreme Court, um, Kennedy writes the opinion for the majority, puts in a caveat. And he says, uh, oh, well, we don't decide whether our usual public employee First Amendment jurisprudence, which is so terrible, incidentally, mm-hmm. uh, would apply uh, to the special situation of teachers um, 
and professors. So that issue is left open. Left open. Hey, here's another question on the edges of all of this. Um, uh, there was a group formed some years ago by t- t- actually two of my personal least famous uh, favorite people in the country, Lynn Cheney and, and then Senator uh, Joe Lieberman of Con- uh, Connecticut. Is there anything wrong, though, with private parties who uh, decide they're going to urge students to uh, literally or, and in some cases it is, literally make lists of kind of un-American professors or disloyal people, kind of publishing the list like those hot professors lists, uh, but not uh, as affirmative from the position of the people making the lists. I mean, anything wrong with that? Should that be encouraged or discouraged in an academic environment? Well, as we know from our ACLU days, it's constitutionally protected. They're private parties. They're allowed to badmouth professors uh, or anybody else and make lists as long as they don't commit defamation, Mm -hmm. slander, invasion of privacy. Uh, There's some limits to their free speech rights. Uh, But is it a good idea? Uh, Is it as a political matter of policy and morality? Uh, Is it right or wrong? Um, I don't think it's a very good idea. Um, because a lot of uh, repression of important um, speech, especially political speech, dissent, uh, questions about uh, our government's policies, uh, wars that our government is um, dragging our young uh, people into foreign lands, a lot of that dissent um, gets challenged and suppressed through not only government uh, censorship investigations and people getting fired, but private lists. And we saw that in the 50s um, in spades. Yeah, I bet it's not easy, Marjorie Hines, if to... to prove or disprove. Let's say there's a list created by a private uh, party and then some lawmaker in a place like Arizona, since we just, managed, you know, we've just uh, been criticizing them for other things, they make a list and, and some guy in uh, the state legislature gets a hold of it and kind of uses it, doesn't admit it necessarily, but it's floating out there. I mean, how do you how do you prove what the source of someone's actions may be? I mean, that legislative history is uh, is uh, often an oxymoron. I mean, if it pops into people's heads, they don't say where these ideas even come from. Well, yeah, but if you've got legislation, um, then uh, the First Amendment applies. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a private list, a private boycott, a private blacklist, yep. a private campaign to drive people out, um, the First Amendment doesn't stop them. In fact, it right. protects, protects them within them. limits uh, as long as they don't engage in threats, intimidation, sure. defamation, and so forth from doing it. So, uh, yeah, we have some instances which I document in the book. Um, attacks on Middle East studies and Middle East scholars. Yeah. Uh, and what's happened in academia is um, the Middle East studies departments tend to reflect um, a, uh, a point of view that is sympathetic to the Palestinian Correct. cause. Uh, and so they were certainly on the list of uh, the, Lynn, the famous Lynn Cheney, Joe Lieberman list. Yes. Um, there was also legislation, just as you say. Yeah. Uh, this stuff gets filtered into um, the Congress, and there was legislation which did not pass, which would have established an oversight board for a number of different mm. area studies programs. Yep. And this, this 
gets, um, as so much censorship now in the U.S. Uh, happens, it is linked to funding or some linked sort of government support. Linked to funding, that's right. There's a condition on that's funding. That's right. So the funding may be, yeah. you know, 5%. Yep. And yet the condemnation, of course, applies. And the 5% could be, though, somebody's uh, job as the halftime professor. Marjorie Hines, thanks so much for being with us. The book is really a good, good academic and social history. Priests of Our Democracy, about the Supreme Court, academic freedom, and focusing on the anti-communist purge of the 50s. That does it for today. I'm Barry Lynn. We'll talk again. This edition of Culture Shocks has been produced by Diane Robinson, engineered by Dwayne Davis, and the Genesis Communication Network technical staff. Visit us online at cultureshocks.com. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Is 2013 your year to achieve more, more vitality, more health, more well-being? Hi, this is Pastor Jenny. For 25 years, I spent my life's work teaching others how to achieve more. But in 2010, I got a lesson of my own about RNA drops. I learned that there are millions of gene switches latent in every single cell of my body that are waiting for an activator. I learned by taking RNA drops, I could begin to activate that power in my cells and achieve the more that I desire. I'd like to share what I discovered with you and send you a free 30-day supply of RNA drops valued at $50 for just the cost of shipping and handling. Go to rnafreesample.com. That's rnafreesample.com. Or call me toll-free at 888-577-3703. That's 888-577-3703. rnafreesample.com. Discover the more that's waiting for you. KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. like a battlefield. There's a battle for the soul of America. We can't let him tear the kingdom down. This is no game. This is war. Flesh and blood. But it's between the bad and good. We can't stop until the trumpet sound. This is war. Not a game we're playing. This is war. The only
only question is, which side will you be on? It's time now for a call to decision with Pastor Butch Paul. Satan's armies come to kill. This is war. Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Butch Paul, the 5th day of February 2013. I keep getting that messed up, don't I? Anyway, welcome to the program tonight, and we're so glad you're with us. Now, I do mean that. Before getting into the broadcast, I'll make mention of a couple of things. We're going to have a few of February's special edition notebooks, uh, newsletters, uh, on gun control. Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm getting soft. Uh, yeah, gun control. My mind is something else, folks. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. I'm already thinking ahead, okay? But anyway, we are going to have, we have a special edition on gun control this month. If you want a copy of that, we're going to have a few of them left, but the first come, first serve basis. If you call 800-777-4403 and leave your name and address very slowly, please. And please, if you don't mind, spell all the words. I don't care what they are because the phone lines are not always clear. Spell all the words. Leave your name and address very slowly, at least twice, and spell the words 877 877- uh, 800-777-4403. We have a few copies left of February's News Magazine, so please call. Let's send them to you. We don't want to waste them and just lay them around, okay? So please feel free to call. We'll send them as long as they last. I mean that. Don't forget this month alone we're doing something that's absolutely unheard of. I mentioned to you last couple of nights. We're letting all seven seminars go, all of them six to eight hours long. So you're talking, gee, probably around 55 hours of, of, of DVDs. Available to you for a gift of thirty-five dollars. Seven of them, seven of them, five bucks a piece. I'd include shipping if you can do, if you want to do it. And all three of the books I've written for five bucks a piece, fifteen bucks, fifty bucks get all of them for you. We're doing it for a lot of reasons. Of course, we need to raise some funds, but that's not the real reason. The reason is we want this information in your hands so you can share it with your friends and family, and perhaps. By the grace and power of the Almighty God, you can change somebody's mind and see the truth on something. I know some of y'all beat that. Somebody can beat your head against the wall trying to get through the people, but... Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 